Well, hello and welcome. Uh, this is Trent Smith. Uh, I am part of uh, No Walls Worship, which is Bee Creek's fourth service, an alternative service. We meet off-site, and uh, I'm here with Jay Spencer. Hello. Hope all are doing well out there. Uh, I, I've been getting some requests from folks when we're doing our service out at, you know, wherever we are, to record the messages, and for a couple different reasons, I've I've not really wanted to do that. Uh, first reason is that, you know, the environment we're in is sometimes we're on a deck out over the lake and the breeze is going, and it's not always a real conducive place to capture audio. And then the other reason is I really like teaching. I like being up in front of people, but what I like even more is the study. And oftentimes the, the things that y'all say to me afterwards, I really like the idea that a message is just a starting point to a dialogue. And so it occurred to me uh, that maybe we'd try to do the message, but also have a little dialogue. So we're, we're sitting here in Jay's dining room uh, at his table, and uh, he's wearing a very lovely pink shirt or something, <laughs> coral I think it is. Hey, let's don't make any social judgments here <laughs> on the colors I pick. I'm just in tune with myself. Oh, that's right. Um, so we're, we're going to treat this as an experiment. There's probably going to be a lot of ums and ahs and some missteps, but if you like the vibe of this, please come and let me know, and we'll do a little bit more of it. And if you hate it, Tell keep... Trent, don't <laughs> leave me out of it. Well, no, I was going to say, if you hate it, just keep your mouth shut, <laughs> and uh, we'll go from there. Now, the message I want to get in with y'all and Jay today is, is about joy. Uh, I titled this message, Rejoice. Do you need me to say it again? Question mark. <laughs> Rejoice. And it's uh, from a passage in Philippians 4. Four, four through nine, and I think that the spirit of the message was to, to find ways to recognize joy in our life and how to practice it. Because I know that I need to be reminded of joy. I delivered this message back in August, I think the end of August, and I think at the time. There was just a lot going on in life, a lot of stresses and a lot of things, and, there, and there's still a lot of things. And then recently my mom fell and she broke her hip and I'd been worried about her and I found myself kind of complaining about stuff that I didn't need to complain about. It is these big, beautiful blessings in my life. Those of you that know me know I'm building a house and I'd be stressed about a little element of that and I, a lot of times it felt like I was turning my blessings into things to worry about when, you know, I, I didn't really even need to do that. Um, so I'm going to read the passage, but I, I want to give you just a little bit of Bible context on Philippians 4, 4 through 9, and really just the book of Philippians. Uh, the book, Philippians, is a letter. It's written by Paul. Paul wrote a whole bunch of the New Testament. The, this letter is to, to a community, a faith community that he started, and in Philippi. So if you're picturing on a map, Philippi is somewhere around Greece, or what we would think of Greece today. And Paul wrote this letter from jail. 
He wasn't sure if he was going to live or die, if he'd be executed, hung, burned, what, but he's writing this letter to these people that he cares about a whole bunch. And he's surprisingly at peace about what his situation might be. And and, and that's where we come to Philippians 4, these, these really beautiful words. So I'm going to read it, and then, Jay, maybe you've got some stuff you want to say about it. Yeah. All right. The passage reads like this. This is uh, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonable reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I uh, love Paul's writing. You know, so many of the, when we go to weddings, uh, so many of the verses that we hear from him, he was obviously the most educated of all the uh, New Testament good news writers. And he was, uh, and he chose in his writing style, he wrote about, I think he's attributed to writing well over half the New Testament. So, these words, especially, I love, uh, exceeds beyond a, a piece that exceeds anything of our understanding. I love that. That's, mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's really pretty. This is uh, verse 8. It says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, there's like a rhythm <laughs> to this passage. If, if there is any excellence... If there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And this is last verse, verse 9. What What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Those are so beautiful. I wonder what they sounded like if we understood Greek, the language they were written in. I mean, think about how many translations of languages along it's gone to, and it's still beautiful. I, I would bet in Greek, if you understood Greek, that it would uh, yeah. be true poetry. Do you speak any Greek, Jay? Well, uh, late at night, I've been told that what I said sounded like it was All right. <laughs> All right. Now, Jay, I, I really, really, really like this opening part. And the the title of this whole section of the writing is called Paul's Final Exhortation. Now, you mm-hmm. you may know what an exhortation is. <laughs> I don't know what an exhortation, but I what I think it is is it's it's an emotional pleading, like a like a final instruction. Would you agree with that? Yeah, you know, like Paul Bear Bryant talking to his football team at halftime. You know, it's a uh, it's a cheerleader, a grandstanding, highly emotional, charged. Uh, plea, if you will. Yeah, it's like he's touching on something that he absolutely understands that is truth. And if the people he's writing to could just understand how simple it is, life would be so much better. You know, like, man, I was on the field, like, trying to tell my daughter, she's playing softball, like, just hustle, hustle, give it all your effort. You may not know what you're doing yet, but you gotta hustle, like, getting those little words in, you know? It it very much reminds me of that uh, football coach that's either behind you trying to kick you in the fanny or or out in front following me, but he yeah. does. He's so convinced, he, and he's so convincing. Yeah, Paul is. And, and the, the writing's so beautiful, and I think maybe it's the passion behind it that these, these verses are so well-known for people. 
And um, I, I can't help but thinking, like we were saying earlier, that Paul, he doesn't know if he's going to live or die. Mm-hmm. And that these might be his last words to his friends. He doesn't know if he's going to live or die. He seems indifferent about it. Both yeah. sides seem like a reasonable choice to him. Yeah, yeah. And the last thing that he wants his folks to hear, this is towards the end of the letter, he's saying, just rejoice, just rejoice. in all of it. Hear it. Just rejoice. <laughs> but he didn't stop there. He, he gives us these tips. And you may find more tips than I did, but as I read through these you know, few verses, I saw four really practical, really not easy, but simple ideas on how to practice joy and invite joy into your life. And yes. I think that's where I want to dig in a little bit. Sound good to you? Yeah. All right. Yep. So the, the first tip, these like practical tips that Paul gives is, is in verse five. And one of the translations I read says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The one I, I read just a minute ago to you, uh, which is the ESV, the English Standard Version says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. And it's kind of a vague description of you know people should see you as gentle see you as reasonable yeah but what i what i think is happening here is there's a lot of laws in jewish culture and laws that govern everything from the way you should do business to when you should eat fish and what paul is saying is beyond the laws people ought to be able to see that you're acting right you're acting good gentle reasonable that they'd have a good word to say about you. And the way I translate that in my own mind is just little simple habits that we have that uh, put happiness and gentleness and reasonableness out into the world. And my thought of Mitzi right away, my wife, she, she has this obsession with telling people, bless you when they sneeze. I mean, we could be at a concert, we could be across the dining hall from somebody and, if she hears a sneeze, she's going to shout out really loud, bless you, you know, and get, <laughs> kind of get after yeah. it. But these, are, I think this is what this is, these simple little habits that... You know, Paul talks so about the love of Christ, his love for Christ and Christ's love of us. And I, I think he's getting at, if we truly feel that love, it should be reflected outwardly. Like just pouring general, out of just it, yeah. coming out. And if, and if we're feeling that love, then we reflect that through a gentleness, how we handle people, how we say Kazumtite or God, <laughs> God bless you yeah. across. And I think that's what he's, he, his passion about God's love. And if we're feeling that love, yeah. it should be outwardly reflected. Yeah. I was saying to you, we were sitting on your patio there tonight that I see you as that kind of person that, that everywhere you go, you walk and you glow and you radiate and people see, I see people affected by the way you move through the world. And you, you have like, I don't know if it's you just do naturally. If you have specific habits that you try to, you know, I, I, I first, I, I, if this is broadcasted uh, wildly over the internet to uh, some of the places I've lived in earlier in my life, I think they <laughs> might call BS on this. Yeah, but no, um, I truly uh, want people to feel happy, and I want. The, I, I would like to think each interaction I have with someone that they walk away a little bit better and that I walk away a little bit better because I put that effort out. But there's somehow that one smile that might have been a little bit more, but I personally feel better when I do it. Yeah. So it's a, it's a selfish thing on my part too. Well, you've, you've inspired me to pay closer attention to people. I, I was um, picking up something from the grocery store the other day 
and my daughter was was with me and I as we were walking up to the cash register I noticed that the girl was looking at her fingernails <laughs> and as I walked up I just said well your fingernails sure do look pretty <laughs> and she she giggled right away and it was like this veil fell from her face where all of a sudden you know the mundane turned into the sacred yeah. and she laughed and giggled with me a little bit and then she said something about it being a constant battle keeping her nail fresh and all this and and then as we were walking out my daughter said to me, that lady sure was nice. Yes. Yeah. And I just wondered what would happen if we wouldn't have that exchange. And you, you wonder where she goes with it, what, how she takes yeah. it, how it changes her a little yeah. bit. I, I think we're all like a, I always use the analogy, we're like a huge super tanker afloat at sea, and we turn ever so slightly, but every, every good thing makes us turn for the positive and every bad thing yeah. the other way, so... Uh, pretty easy to be self-absorbed and not uh, let that love reflect in you. I see it in our church. We yeah. reflect it to each other so yeah. well, but I wonder if we go out in the public and do it the same yeah. way. Well, I know I'm on and off. <laughs> <laughs> so, some days I'm on and some days I'm off, but what, what lit me up by the whole thing was just that I walked away with joy. Yes. So it's a it's simple practice yeah. that helps create joy in my life it, it does you yeah. think you're doing it for someone else but like i said earlier yeah. you you're the one that benefits uh and if we are if we do feel christ's love it should be fairly easy i would warn everybody uh if you want to change and make this more of a habit be sincere look yeah. for things like you saw her staring at her fingernails be sensitive to what's important to them and where their mind is right now yeah and then your comments will be yeah. uh, even more powerful to yeah. them um, you know, don't don't just use how are you doing, but, but try to see something that they're, like they're struggling. A, a new salesman, they're struggling. Say, man, you are it. You have nailed it. You like having your own phrase or something that something you do to everybody. You're saying like <laughs> make it more personable to the that's right the person that's you're right. with. Yeah, it's something you saw. Now I want to I want to dig into something else, Jay. And this is I don't know if this is a. I don't know if this is a hang-up for you. It's a knot for me. And I was sharing with you before that I feel like a lot of times when I'm doing a message, I'm untying my own knots, you know, garbage things that I believed about God <laughs> or uh, things that I thought the Bible said. And, and this is, in this passage, it says, now y'all should be gentle with one another and be reasonable because the Lord is near. And I think as a young man, I thought, I don't know if, I really don't even know if somebody preached that to me. I just had that thought that the Lord is near and that meant that God was a big, burly, scary man with his arms folded. And if I wasn't treating people nice, he was just waiting to come along and smack me over the head. And man, now as like a father, I don't, I don't see God that way at all here. Here's maybe a way to think about it, and you know, what I'm trying to describe is, well, first let me ask you. Did well, the, you know, in the in the Hebrew Testament, the Old Testament, we hear the word the fear of God. Yeah, yeah. And and I think uh, for me, growing up in a more conservative church, um, I've told people I went to Emmaus in 1997. It was the first time I even heard or understood the word grace of God. I, I grew up in it, like you're saying, a God was a fearful. He was watching. 
he was waiting for you to make a mistake and not as the God of love and of God's grace that he will always love you. So that, that, that image, I think, is the, exactly the one I grew up with, too. Uh, it makes me sad, man. It makes me sad that there's... God isn't, God isn't scary. <laughs> no. You know? God, as we were talking the other day, God is knowable and wants you to know him. Uh, yeah. wants to be your friend. But you're right, I'm afraid a lot of us grew up with the fear of God instead of, uh, and even that we understand from better looking at the verses is, is respect of God, not, yeah. not afraid yeah. of God. But to a young boy, that's what I felt. Another way to read that passage, and uh, you know, I was starting to say a minute ago as a father that like, I, I know when I'm busy doing something and I'm not paying attention and my kids are playing, they fuss at each other. You know, they'll yeah. they'll get into a disagreement. And I don't know if it's because they're trying to get my attention. I don't know. <laughs> or if it's just what. It works, though, doesn't it? But it sure does make the <laughs> stovetop, whatever I'm cooking on the stovetop, burn. Um, but it's without fail, if I'm down on the floor, even if I'm not engaged in the game they're playing, even if I'm not directly involved just my presence there gives them calm and gives them peace and they don't fight they get along much better and i'd much rather see the lord is near <laughs> yeah as that god on the ground with us just being present so that we can be gentle and reasonable with one another at least that's the way i'm going to read it i i, I agree and i think even our images as, as, as parents has changed over time into uh into that image of being more about love and, and less about discipline, uh, the, the follow me characteristics instead of the uh, I'm going to kick you if you don't. Uh, but it is. It's, it, I think it's a, a change probably that most of us have gone through in our life. Uh, those of us that have been in faith, let's just say 40 or 50 years. I'm not going to give the exact numbers. Okay, 60 years. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's the first tip the first tip is well as level said i want to i want to invite joy and rejoicing into my life and paul gives us these four tips first tip is gentleness reasonableness and that can be simple habits that we inject into the world wherever we walk and then the second tip is about anxiety and Jay, I know you don't have any anxiety. <laughs> but, I don't think I'm smart enough to. I don't know what's Yeah, that. Jay the engineer is not smart enough to have anxiety. <laughs> but, uh, but Paul, the guy who is in jail, and he's not sure if he's going to be executed or not, he says, don't be anxious. And he says, don't be anxious about anything. And that sounds really good, but it's really, really hard. And he says, instead, go to prayer. And he goes on. He doesn't say go to prayer and say, God, I got all this crap in my life and I need you to fix it. Yeah, help me out. Yeah, come down, swoop in, bring the angel armies. He says, go to God with gratitude and that'll replace your worry. And then that's where that peace that surpasses understanding comes from. And I think, as we were talking earlier, I, I, we tend to forget how much we do have. We always we think of the glass half empty instead of half full. Uh, 
I look around in our church and all the incredible people there, the relationships, the love that I feel uh, that, that I feel from them. And, uh, look in this world we live in. We live in the greatest nation in the world. We have the most opportunity. Our our poor that are below our poverty line are are above seventy percent of the world and what they have and their diet. So when we have anxious, I, I kind of think of it as being a first world problem. It's not real, and that we need to just back up and be thankful. Remember all we have. My gosh, we're living in Austin, Texas. Yeah. I know we're well. We're not in Austin. We're just west of Weird. Just outside. Just outside of Weird. And but what a beautiful place we have. Yeah. Uh, every morning you get up, uh, and we should be thankful for it. But that's that's one of the things that's easier said than done. I agree. Uh, I'm going to detour on this and make it about the why is Spicewood the greatest place on earth podcast. But like, <laughs> I, I was literally having this conversation with somebody the other day, and we were we were telling the story of how did you find Spicewood? Like <laughs> like we had found some lost Utopia. city in the yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and. Uh, it really does feel that way a lot of times, just where we're situated and the beauty around us. It's there's a I've, lot to be grateful for. I've never had such a strong sense of community that I have here. I've yeah. lived in a lot of I grew up in a smaller town, and I never felt a sense of community that uh, I feel here, knowing that my brothers and sisters will help me. Uh, and it, sometimes when I'm on vacation, I'm in some part of the world, and I've been there about 15 days, 14, 10 days, and and I get to thinking, you know, this is really cool, but, you know, I live in a pretty damn cool place. I think yeah. I'm ready to go home. Yeah. Well, I don't feel any anxiety now, and it just starts, it has to start with context, right? You were saying, think about other people, other situations, other places you could be, and you can start to find the things that you can just be grateful for and thankful for, and that starts to turn, turn the you energy are. to rejoicing and joy instead of worry and doubt and struggle. You know, I think, too, when we're anxious, we need to kind of get at the root of that and say, is there something I can do? Am I anxious over something I can change? Is there something I've forgotten? And if the answer is no, uh, we've got to let it go. Yeah. We've got to move on. Now, I'm not saying that we, we walk through the life uh, blind, dumb, and happy, but I'm, I'm saying that we you know, somehow, if we can't change it, we don't know the outcome, we've we got to let it go. What and if, I think that's what Paul's talking about. Be thankful for what we have, not what we don't have. What about what about when life really is terrible? <laughs> you know, like when you're facing the darkest of things, the hardest of things. How do you, how do you find gratitude in tragedy? You know, what if one of bad things happen to good people? Uh, Laura talked about that last Sunday. Um, I think the one thing the Bible promises us. And I think it's something we can call on God and demand that he fulfill that promise. It's no matter where we are in our darkest time, God will be there for us. He will give us his healing peace. Uh, as he says here, beyond anything in our understanding. He makes that promise, and it's up to us. Or we have the authority to call on God and say, I believe in you. I'm in a tough time. I need to feel your healing. I need to feel your presence. Help me, Lord. He probably won't take that cancer away. He probably yeah. won't bring somebody back to life. God could. Uh, God has. But that presence, that's what we're asking for, that healing that can come only from God. Uh, easy words when we're sitting here in a bright, beautiful afternoon. I know, I know. I like what you said about it's not about being Pollyanna, and it's not around 
about being what you call it half happy and dumb. <laughs> fat happy and dumb. Fat happy and dumb. I'm working at one of those. I found this thing in my my grandma's Bible. <laughs> it was a cartoon strip. She says if you want to feel uh, if you want to feel skinny and young, you need to hang out with fat and old people. <laughs> anyway, Buy bigger size clothes. Yeah, that didn't that didn't have nothing to do with nothing. But but no, um, but. I think what you're getting at is there's always good news. There's always good news, and that's not to say to ignore the bad. Sometimes no. you've got to acknowledge how nasty and ugly and bad it really is before you can start to find good news. I've been feeling that a little bit with what's been going on with the hurricanes, right? Harvey comes in, and it created massive devastation, but the word that's been on most people's mouth is... Look at what HEB is doing, yeah. and look at look at how Texans respond, and look how our church pro- responds. Yes. Sending work teams down, uh, and it's not the last. I'm sure that we'll send uh, many more work teams from, yeah. our, from our church. Yeah. Yeah. Those are great stories. They're stories of hope, and it's stories of what we talked about earlier about being generous, about bringing hope yeah. to other people, changing other people's lives. So it, it ties. Yeah. It, it ties to me. But yeah, in that darkest moment, uh, the only comfort that there is is that God is with you. And if you've had a relationship with God, a strong relationship, you'll feel a strong response. So the second tip is to pray. And Paul's not advising prayer of intercession, God fix my stuff. Paul's advising prayer of gratitude. Find the things to be thankful for. And that will create joy. It'll remove anxiety and bring that peace. And I, you know, just to reiterate what I said earlier: God never promised us a rose garden. Yeah. Um, we're going to all have tough travails. I will. You will. We've had them. We'll have them again. But somehow, through a relationship with God, like Paul's talking about here, through the love of God and God's grace. We'll find the strength to get through it. Yeah, I'm going to dig into the third tip, Jay, and and this is verse eight, and this is that classic one we read it earlier, and and you you fall into this rhythm even when you read it of you know whatever is true and whatever is pure and whatever is admirable, whatever is lovely, whatever is excellent. Spend some time thinking about those things, and. And I, I've had lots of conversations with folks about how powerful our minds are. Yes. You know, how powerful our thoughts are, what we allow ourselves to think, and even what we allow ourselves to dream. You know, I mean, uh, if I really understood the power of my thoughts, I'd probably spend more of my time trying to keep a leash on them. <laughs> and I don't know, what, do you, what, what strikes you there? Uh, I was, uh, my, my daughter is going through some. Uh, depressional battles and they're very serious and uh, and she she just digs herself further and further into a hole and her therapist when I've gone to meetings with her therapist and when she's talked to me about her therapist when she's really down the therapist will ask her what happened to you that was good this week mm. what was fun what do you remember and you can see it's trying to put her mind back in a different place get off of the darkness get off the prevails and get back to thinking about living in Spicewood. Mm-hmm. Get back to thinking about this beautiful planet that we live on. Thinking about what we do have. 
But it's so interesting that that's the number one tool that that therapist uses when she goes into depression is trying to, and when she goes into anxiety attacks, we try to, to, she's trained me to try to bring her to a different place. So with my daughter, when she has these anxiety attacks, I start talking about snow skiing and snow falling and the silence and the quiet and the beauty and the, uh, just the incredible starkness of it and the feeling God's presence so strong there. And that's the, that's the technique that uh, these therapists are taught, not so different from what Paul's saying here. You've used used some really beautiful language there where she trained you to lead her <laughs> from one place to another uh-huh. place. I just, I just find that really beautiful. Uh, uh, but we have to. We get in a dark spot. We've got to somehow get out of it. Yeah. And on, a, on a less heavy note I've been trying to inject some of that into my work life <laughs> you know I've been I've been doing conference calls sometimes where I get on the phone with people and I'll just start with hey what's the best thing in your life right now and you get the funniest answers sometimes yeah. you know yeah. um, and I, I'm amazed by just how adding a little bit of lightness with something that's pure and something that's excellent something that's lovely mm. I haven't I haven't gone that far yet to say <laughs> welcome to the bank conference call what's what's something that's pure and lovely in your life but, uh, hello my name is Mr. Sunshine uh, yeah, I'm here yeah, to yeah. blow some <laughs> yeah no but but yeah it, it helps and it changes the atmosphere it brings joy and rejoicing and I also think there's a bit of this of just taking time to notice like we've been saying like all the really beautiful and excellent things instead of waiting yeah. what's the what's the fray thing about when you go on a vacation and they're gonna they're always say that when you go to tell people about your vacation you're always going to tell them about the worst thing and the last thing <laughs> what's the worst thing that happened and what's the last thing that happened i found i've had to practice going well what's the best thing that happened during my vacation instead of the you know, the worst thing or the tragedy. And those tend out to be pretty funny stories, but... Well, bad decisions often lead to good stories. I mean, that's the truth. <laughs> uh, now, I, I I do think that they, they tie so much when you think about uh, what you're thankful for, what an opportunity you have, what where we live, and then to, uh, to think about... I mean, that is, in essence, thinking about things that are good and admirable. And, mm-hmm. uh, so I think... They tie together well. Yeah. I'm going to dig into the fourth tip, Jay. And this is in verse 9. Paul's writing to his friends, and he says, Whatever you saw me practice, practice these things too. He's saying, I showed you the way. And, man, I think, Jay, I know I know how you feel about Paul. <laughs> but you want to get on him about his ego. Yeah, you know, I, I, I guess if if you're right, if you're always right, it's it's uh, it's not being egotistical, maybe, but but he is a very uh, maybe as an old timer would say, he's kind of like a horseradish sandwich. He's a little what? bit a horseradish <laughs> sandwich, a little bit hard to take sometimes. <laughs> you know, Trent's over there rolling his eyes. Oh, where did he come up with that? But but as you read some of Paul's writings, when you read him beginning to end, you see he had a very strong belief in himself. He had a strong belief that uh, he was always right, and possibly he was, because I do believe he was in very close communication with God. He, we're led to believe that he received more direct instruction from Christ uh, after Christ's passing than any other apostle. Yeah. Uh, 
so uh, I guess it ain't bragging if you're right. Yeah, you're there but, was an element. I read this the first time and thought, man, it, it, you saw me do this stuff, do all the stuff that I did. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I. But if I want to spin that in a in a positive way, we all need role models. Yeah, we need and, role models. And I, and if we're gonna pursue joy. And if we're going to do the hard work of rejoicing in all things, we've got to have folks alongside of us that are trying to do the same thing. And we, we certainly can't argue with anything he said in this in this scripture. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful thought. Yeah. And it's a great practice to follow. I mean, yeah. uh, so while I may think he was a little narcissistic, on the <laughs> other hand, uh, yeah. uh, he writes with such beauty and clarity. Yeah. And I, and I think, what does he say here? He used the words, whatever you saw me practice. And there's an element of that of maybe he wasn't perfect, but something he practiced at, something he worked at. And so if you saw me practice it and it, you thought it was helpful, then why don't you practice at it too? I was, uh, I was out in, in market for my job recently, and one of the guys I was with, I hadn't spent a whole lot of time with him, and he goes... You know, Trent, you're you're really good at X, Y, and Z, and and the fact was, I didn't really feel like I was good at that thing. <laughs> but what I told him is, I work really hard at that. And it occurred to me, I think a day or two later, I'm kind of famous for things occurring to me a day or two later, is that why wouldn't I be good at the thing that I work hard at? That's right. And we, I've talked a little bit already today about looking at you and looking the way you live your life and I've got other friends around me Mitzi's got some girlfriends that she's around that man they are just really good solid women that she thinks of as mentors that she thinks of as role models mm -hmm. we just have to have those people we do and you know on the other side of that too is uh, I think about in this message we're trying to say that uh if you do these things, if you practice these things, you will have a less anxious life. Uh, you'll have a more fuller life, and you'll be more open to feel the love of God. So, so going back to what you said earlier, it, it's like if you practice this, it may be against your nature to start with, yeah. but it becomes second nature the longer you try. And so you you end up moving that tanker a few degrees and you can finally turn it in a whole new direction. So, yeah. But it's, 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 it's through hard work. It's, I know. It's, uh, hopefully you might have a little bit of an aha moment today, but, but most likely the aha is going to be, I've got to work at this harder. I've got to mm -hmm. be around people and yeah. model after people. We were talking about this a little bit offline about the, an the anxious part. And I said, I said, Jay, aren't you ever anxious? What'd you tell me? <laughs> Worst day I ever had was pretty good. I'm just, yeah, yeah. I'm don't, I just am not yeah. an anxious person. Uh, and it's not something I have to work at. I really have to work hard at. I have to practice not worrying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like us uh, saying, "I'm going to pray every day. I'm going to meditate every day to our to our Lord." It, it that's work. Yeah. And but you do it long enough, and I, I know many people in the church have become close to that it's their nature they can't do a day without it but for us that are more novice it's it's work yeah uh, but the payoff's there well to wrap to wrap this thing up the the thought that's coming to mind is 
this is why we're in relationship with one another. This is why we need a church family. And maybe not even a church family, but a community of faithful people, of rejoicing people. Uh, I think you've got some good thoughts on that, the the idea of what the church really is and where it really happens and... (laughs) You know? I, yes, I've, I've often said I think the, the biggest part of the church where I see the most love sometimes in the Northex. I'll be sitting inside uh, preparing uh, for the sermon. I'll look back in that Northex and they have to ring the bell. they got to yell at everybody. Nobody wants to leave because there's so much love going on in there. There's so much support from each other. There's so much hugging. There's crying. There's kissing. There's care being given. Uh, there's jokes being passed between each other, but it's a uh, truly people that are brothers and sisters in Christ and no matter who's preaching hmm. uh, what they say you can't take that North X away from me it's what's a North X? <laughs> <laughs> I had to look it up I couldn't spell it correctly I thought it was uh, like North Texas North X but uh, no, no, no. <laughs> but it's that side that outside the church where we all get together it's before church it's after church it's when we uh, as a group as, as individuals commune with each other so. yeah well, I hope, I hope what we've done today is not... We've talked about some practices and some things that we do and some things we've seen other people do. And, and I hope it hasn't come across like we've got this thing all figured up and dialed in. I mean, there, there are days when I feel so much joy that I feel like I'm going to explode. And there are other days where I couldn't find... You got a phrase for this? I couldn't find joy like a lightning bug. Or a, you got got to have something. <laughs> couldn't find it with directions that written on the heel of the boot. The know? heel of the boot. Okay. Oh, man. There's a the first part of that phrase I'm not going to repeat. But I, yeah, I don't want to come across like we've got it figured out. In fact, I would like to say that through this, through the study that uh, that Trent's led me on, and and uh, trying to get prepared for this today. Uh, it, it has been a very powerful learning experience for me that I wouldn't have had any other way. So huh. if none of y'all get anything out of this, I got a lot out of it. We had fun. <laughs> maybe you'll maybe you'll hear it, maybe you won't, won't but anyway. Well, friends, uh, rejoice. Do you need me to say it again? Rejoice. Yeah. Thank you, Jay. Thanks, Trey.